I must move quickly to my assigned text. Hebrews chapter number 13. I was assigned verses 12 through 16, but I want to tabernacle in verse number 11 because of context and terminate in verse 14 because of constraint. Meet me in Hebrews chapter 13, tabernacling at verse number 11. When you find yourself there, let's be standing for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Hebrews chapter number 13, tabernacling there at verse number 11. When there, that mysterious Hebrew writer records these words. The high priest carries the blood of beasts and or animals into the most holy place. He does this as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered and died outside the city gate to sanctify and or make the people holy through his own blood. Verse 13 says, let us then go to him where outside of the gate or outside of the camp. And in doing so, the Bible says, we will bear his reproach and or his disgrace. Verse 14 is your blessing. For here, we do not have a continuing and or lasting and or enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Under the thematic auspices that Dr. Carruthers has assigned the race for faith outside of the camp, I want to place a topic on this entitled, I'm moving out. I'm moving out. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Devil, kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what was, what is, and what will be if we keep our hand in your unchanging hand. Father God, be with everyone under the sound of my voice even now. Open their minds, their hearts, their spirits, their souls, and yes, even their ears to hear a word coming straight from you via your manservant. Be with your manservant. Help me to stand flat-footed and firm upon your word. Not my thoughts or feelings, ideologies or philosophy or psychology, but let your word be true. And every man a liar. Father, I am frail. I am faulty. I am sinful. Father, first forgive me of my sins. And upon my repentant heart, I pray now that you pin these words. Help me to speak with boldness and tenacity. Father, this time help us to come before you as empty pitchers to a flowing fountain. Fill us, Jesus. Fill us even when we do not want any more. Father, bless the word. Father, bless your servant. Father, bless us all as your children. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I'm moving out. Here, as we expeditiously examine the exhortative epilogue of Hebrews, we find the Hebrews' clandestine chronicler 
here comparing the Jewish Day of Atonement to Jesus' salvific work on the cross, which transliterates for us the final day of atonement, which brought forth to us an avenue to experience not just atonement, but rather at one mint. Meaning that through Jesus Christ's work on the cross, which ended with him shedding both blood and water, I can now enter water, come in contact with his blood, and be at one with him. But it's when I come in contact with his blood that I am then obligated to carry his identity. For it's through his blood that his identity ought to live in me. Historically and contextually, these Hebrews had already come to Jesus the Christ. And now as they integrate and associate as spiritual citizens of that holy city, they now find themselves conforming to the current Jerusalem of geography instead of the future Jerusalem of theology, i.e. adhering and upholding to the doctrine, practice, and lifestyle that would garner them heaven one day. And while these Hebrews were not recent converts, Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 12, they, just like us, sometimes were trying to fit in with their culture versus their Christianity, with their society versus their spirituality. Thus, they were slowly but surely being pulled back into Judaism. And during these times, much like today, it was popular for false teachers to create a hybrid theology as to where Jesus coexisted with something and or someone else. It had gotten so bad that some had stopped assembling altogether due to the persecution. That's where we get Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Dr. Hayes did that adequately and perfectly on Monday night by looking at the true context and authorial intent. Meaning desertion in the face of persecution. So to this Hebrew audience, these false teachers have promulgated and prophesied that you can keep Jesus as long as you simultaneously keep the traditions, rituals, and ceremonies of Judaism. Let me say that again. You can keep Jesus as long as you simultaneously keep the traditions, rituals, and ceremonies of Judaism. The focus of these false teachers is highlighted in Hebrews chapter 13 verse number 9 when the writer warns them do not be carried away by all kind of strange teachings. If I had time for a commercial break at 12:20, I would tell the church here this morning that Jesus plus anything else is not Jesus at all. Uh, let me say it again. Y'all looking at me real strange. Jesus plus anything else is not Jesus at all. For Jesus is not co-efficient, but rather he is self-sufficient. Preach flowers, I think I will understand Hebrews as David Wilson gave in his magnificent monologue. Hebrews is an exposition of scripture even within scripture. And while we find ourselves now in Hebrews chapter 13, we find ourselves in Hebrews epilogue. There are some concepts that we need to catalog beginning even with the prologue. Beginning with the prologue, 
Hebrews is a writing that brings a Jewish past into a Jewish present. Hebrews builds a bridge between both Old and New Covenants, even as evidence here in our Hebrews chapter 13 text. From its very prologue, the Hebraic writer displays and relays the superiority of Jesus the Christ and how Jesus was and still is the only way to God and the only way for us to draw near to God. Thus, Jesus is presented and nomenclated throughout Hebrews as the pioneer, as the forerunner, as the son, as the son of God, as the priest, and emphatically here in Hebrews chapter 13, he's nomenclated as the high priest. The Hebraic writer promotes even from its preamble that Jesus the Christ is in fact superior. He is superior to the prophets. He's superior to the angels. He's superior to Moses. And he provides a superior priesthood on the basis of a superior covenant. And not only is Jesus superior, but he also brings better because Hebrews teaches us that Jesus brings better things and a better revelation and better expectation and a better covenant, a better hope, a better testament, a better promise, a better sacrifice, a better possession, a better country, and a better resurrection. And Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised because not only is he a God of superior, not only is he a God of better, but he's also a God of greater. That's why Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is a greater minister a greater grace, a greater altar, a greater priest, a greater city, a greater body, a greater blood, and has greater promises. So somebody in the house this morning ought to be able to give God a greater praise. Here in Hebrews 13, our chapter is anchored by verse number 8, where the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore, which launch pads the writer's doctrinal dissertation beginning with verse number nine. But listen closely. The call of our text is for us to make a procession toward the same Christ to whom we made our profession and confession. The call of our text is for us to make a procession toward the same Christ to whom we made our profession and confession. Meaning, if even today, if we find ourselves confined in any city, any system, any political structure, any religion that is Jesus adverse or requires Jesus in addition to something else, or if it makes Jesus as a secondary inclusion, then we must be bold enough to then walk outside the camp because ain't nothing more valuable than Jesus. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 11 begins with his function. The Bible says, the high priest. This high priest who is singular then and singular now. This high priest is not of the order of Aaron, but rather in the order of Melchizedek. I know 
all of y'all Bible believers, but I'm so glad that Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 11 reminds us that if Aaron, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law was given to the people established that priesthood, why then is there still another need for a high priest to come? I'm so glad in Hebrews 7 they were talking about Jesus. One in the order of Melchizedek and not of Aaron. Hebrews 7 and 12, for when the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed. What are you talking about, Hebraic writer? Jesus came to lay love alongside law. And it's the same love that saved my life. Verse number 13, he of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. One who has become a priest, not on the basis of regulation as per his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of a what? Indestructible life. The one who had a life that was indestructible, Jesus, is the reason that I one day will be resurrected imperishable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 52. Hebrews 7 goes on in Hebrews 7 and 17. For it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And just as Melchizedek has no beginning and has no ending, Hebrews 7 and 3, Jesus also has no ending, meaning the one who for my sins was the sacrifice, offered that same sacrifice by virtue of his own sacrifice, and he sacrificed it forevermore. Therefore, Jesus, scripturally, situationally, and simultaneously, then perpetually, became our sacrifice, our altar, and our high priest, all at the same time. And since Jesus carried Jesus and placed Jesus on Jesus, somebody in here ought to worship Jesus and praise Jesus and live out Jesus and live for Jesus and share Jesus. Because the last time I checked, Jesus is enough all by himself. So if anybody wants to ask you what you believe by way of your religious beliefs, just feel free to tell them I believe in Jesus. If Jesus said it, then I'll do it. If Jesus commanded it, then I'll commit to it. If Jesus modeled it, then I will mold myself accordingly. And that's the least that Jesus deserves. For it was when I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. It was the master of the sea that heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifting me, now safe am I. I don't know about you on this morning, but I know what Jesus has done for me. I know that it was Jesus who died upon that cross, justifying me with his blood. 
blood, Romans chapter 5, verse number 9, taking that same blood, Jesus covered me with his own blood so that when God looked at me, who was deserving of death, he could not see me because I was covered by his son's blood, which in fact gives me life. Therefore, it's Jesus who by his own blood covers my proclivity with his identity. Let me say it again. Jesus, by his own blood, covers my proclivity with his identity. Therefore, Jesus, who covers my proclivity with his identity, that I ought to identify with nobody else but Jesus because Jesus, all by himself, Jesus all alone is in fact enough. Not only is Jesus enough, the Bible says Jesus carries the blood. The Greek here is hyma, which speaks not just of any blood, but rather blood procured by bloodshed. There are two Greek terms for blood. It's identified in the New Testament. One talks about blood flow. Thus the woman who had an issue with blood for 12 long years. And every other instance talks about blood being shed. For even the New Testament writers knew by influence of the Holy Spirit that blood has no power unless it's shed. I need somebody to know that even in 2018, with all your sophistication and education, that the blood still has power. Let me remind you again, it's the blood that still has power. You might have forgotten about that particular sin, but the blood still has power over that sin. And the blood has so much power that it has the power to forgive even that which you have forgotten. Can I talk about this morning the power of innocent blood? The blood has so much power that it has the power to forgive that which even you have forgotten. Now, now under the old Levitical system, during the sacrifices, even on the Day of Atonement, the necessary animals, the bulls, the rams, and just one goat would have had to been slaughtered. And from its bloodshed, there would be some of the blood that would then be sprinkled on the altar, with the rest being poured out at the base of the altar. There would be blood flow from all of the animals. The bull and or bullock alone would carry six gallons of blood in its own body. Meaning there was not just enough blood flow to cover the sacrifice, but also everything around the sacrifice. And even though humans have less blood than that of a bull, I know a man whose blood flowed further than any bull, any ram, and any goat. Scientists estimate that the volume of human blood in the body is around 9% of one's body weight. So the man Jesus is scientifically purported to have only carried about a gallon and a half of blood. Somebody miss your shout. The man Jesus is scientifically purported to have only carried a gallon and a half of blood. But there's something special 
about how God took the blood of Jesus the Christ about a gallon and a half in fluidity and spread it out over all of eternity. There was enough blood to flow backward and to flow forward. It was that same blood that flowed through the annuals of history even down to you and me. And even today the blood is still going and the blood is still flowing. His blood is so powerful that it is right now even where you have not been. His blood is so powerful that not only does it touch everybody's life but it touches every place in everybody's life. It's that same blood that's already dealt with your lying and cussing tongue. It's that same blood that meets you at the bar every Tuesday and Thursday night. It's that same blood that brought you home last night from a bed you didn't belong. It's that same blood that took you from twerking in the club to working in the church. And not only does this blood flow, but this blood is thick. It was thick enough to unite the world. It's thick enough to unite culture. It's thick enough to unite languages all over the earth to fulfill John chapter 17, verse number 21. It was thick enough on the day of Pentecost to unite the Parthians and the Medes and the Eliamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus of Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for the blood of Jesus Christ. I just want to talk about the blood for a little while. Stick enough to bind all of man together. All of those who submit to the gospel of Jesus the Christ before it's everlastingly too late. For wherever and whenever you come to Jesus the Christ, you and I are then bound together by his blood. Stop telling folk that there's a difference between your blood brothers and your church brothers. For in the Lord's church, we are all blood relatives. Oh, it's Jesus' blood that flows to find then it binds to save. Jesus' blood, let me say it again, it flows to find. Then it binds to save. It was that same blood that came and got a rich like me on October 15, 1996 in the city of Detroit, Michigan in the water at the Wyoming Avenue Church of Christ. And it was that same day that I was bound to Jesus the Christ. Understand, understand, let me, let me get to where I need to get to. Uh, uh, I'm glad you shouted on the first part. It might get messy on the second part. Now, for the Judaizers and the Pharisees who still operate in the Lord's church today, the question that I must propose and the text will soon postulate and the context has already presupposed is if I am binded to Christ, then why do you still feel the need to bind anything else to me or on me? Work. 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 
It's the blood of beasts and animals. The Bible says into the most holy place. The writer gives us a glimpse of the system that predated our current sanctification and salvation, which was highlighted by the Day of Atonement. I can't do it like I want to, but if you want to understand Hebrews chapter 13, you have to have a working knowledge of Leviticus chapter 16. If you want to have a working knowledge of Leviticus chapter 16, you have to have a working knowledge of Leviticus chapter 4, Leviticus chapter 5, and Leviticus chapter number 6. But understand the Bible says, and to the most holy place, he did it, why? As a sin offering, meaning what? Jesus died as an appeasement for our sins because nothing else would have been good enough to redeem us from our wretchedness. For only one thing could have been offered to avenge for God's wrath concerning our sins and that was blood. The blood of bulls, rams, and goats appeased sin only for one people and only for one year. But there was a blood sacrifice that happened on Calvary and it appeased all sin for all people for all time in his name was Jesus the Christ. The, body, the Bible says the bodies were burned outside the camp. Understand Jesus being escorted to Golgotha was powerful not just sermonically but also symbolically. Verse number 12, the Bible says and so Jesus also suffered and died where? Outside the city gate. For it was at Golgotha. Why did he do it? To sanctify and or to make the people holy by what? His own blood. Meaning what? It took effort for Jesus to do what he has done. He had to make us holy. Meaning that who we are is not who we were. And Jesus Christ is the difference. Understand the fact. Verse number 13 is where I'm going. The Bible says, let us then go to him. Where? Outside the gate. Who's the us? Those of us who truly love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Those of us who are tired of living in shadows and are ready to live in our salvation. Those of us who have been graced by grace and massaged by mercy. Those of us who know that the blood has truly touched our lives. And if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? If you fit in the us on this morning, I need you to get ready to pack your bags. Because since it was Jesus who redeemed us, Jesus who saved us, Jesus who shed his blood, Jesus who made us holy, it's time for those of us who are the us to go looking for our savior, looking for our redeemer, looking for our scapegoat, looking for our lamb for sinners slain and he is not in the camp. And that's going to require somebody this morning to say, I'm leaving the camp and I'm moving out. This was written in around 64 AD, but there's something here for both you and me. It was written for their good, but it invariably speaks to us even today in our brotherhood. Can I tell you something? As I soon take my seat, we as the church of Christ 
must get back to Jesus. We as the church of Christ must get back to Jesus or we will become a denomination unto our own selves. We must get back to his bleeding side if we're ever going to put pettiness aside. We must get back to the cross. Then we will stop crucifying each other. Because it is my sincere belief that once we come in contact with his name, then we will stop worrying about what name comes alongside Church of Christ on our marquees. Once we find our chief pastor whose name is Jesus, then we won't worry about who's called pastor. We are seemingly, devilishly devolving to a point where some of us are turning New Testament Christianity of freedom back to Judaism of confinement. And I don't know about you, but some of us need to leave this camp and go after the Christ. Not leave the church of Christ. Don't you dare misquote me up in here, up in here. Don't you ever leave the church of Christ. I want somebody to know the church is where it's at. Don't leave the church of Christ. But it's time to leave the camp who's taking Christ out of the church. Never are we to leave the church, but we must leave the unscriptural and non-scriptural confines of the camp if we're ever going to get to the Christ. I don't know about you. I don't buy into the mantra that the church is going away. It's not. The word of God will endure forever and the church is still the pillar and the ground of truth. But the church is not the camp and the camp is not the church. The camp is hypocrisy. The camp is backbiting. The camp is juvenile name calling. The camp is arguments on base mics. The camp is when we have to take things to Facebook. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to leave this camp and I have to leave this camp if I'm ever going to get to that city. And it's time for some of us to stop being so camp-minded and become kingdom-minded. Let us, the Bible says, then go. You Hebrews are saved, but you allowed their rituals to become your rules. And it's time that you realize that freedom and incarceration cannot coexist. Therefore, be free and go to freedom. But the freedom of that city, Jerusalem, cannot be found in the camp. Let us go out to him. The Bible really means let us keep going out to him. Meaning what? If there's a separation between Judaism and Christianity, let us give up Judaism and go out to Christ. And church, it's time for some of us to go back to Jesus. It's because some of us have left Jesus that we picked up petty arguments along the way. Let us go to him. I'm almost done. You might as well keep your seat, doctors. Go on, keep it. I'm doing some preaching now. Uh, let, let us go to him singular and expressive not go to them but go to him you don't need the them whoever that them may be 
as long as you're pleasing him. You don't need the them to verify your salvation. Church, you don't need the them to validate your theology. Preachers, you don't need the them to accredit your ministry. All we need is him. Go to him. Go to the body. Go to Jesus. Well, Jeremy, why would we go outside the city gates? Why would we go out there to see a dead body? The Hebrew writer's intent here is to magnify the fact that Jesus is not dead, but Jesus lives. And if we're not going to die, we better go out to him who lives before it's everlastingly too late. Depart from it and connect to him. Church, we must leave the gate. We must leave. We must leave the law. We must leave traditions. We must leave things that cannot make man holy. We must go to Jesus. We must go outside the city. We must go outside the gate. We must go outside tradition. But we must never go outside of scripture. We have to leave the camp if we're ever truly going to be of the kingdom. And we have to be kingdom people if we one day want to be city dwellers. I'm talking about a new city and a new heaven. A place where there are walls of jasper and a street of gold. A place where the greatest praise team is singing and you're going to be in it singing holy, holy, holy. A place where the church won't have to argue and defend how it's the church, but then they can truly be the church. A place where there aren't two lectureships because everybody who loves the Lord will be at his feet. A place where I don't have to worry about who's clapping their hands because everybody's going to be in praise. A place where we won't have to log into Facebook because we'll be plugged into the Savior. Church, I want to go to that city. Therefore, I got to leave this camp so I can be a force for the kingdom. Don't you dare misquote me because it's already on Facebook Live, I'm sure. Don't say Jeremy Flowers has left the church because I ain't going nowhere. I'm a proud member of the Church of Christ. The Church of Christ is still hell-proof, rock-bottom, blood-bought, spirit-filled, and heaven-bound. I believe in doing Bible things, Bible ways, and calling Bible things by Bible names. But I'm just so tired of camp-goers not being kingdom citizens. I'm glad to be in the kingdom. Because those who are really in the kingdom are looking for ways to expand kingdom territory. Camp goers don't grow. Camp goers don't annex. Camp goers don't expand because they're too busy around the bonfire. I just want to please God who David has told us is a consuming fire. Come, let us now leave the camp and go to where Jesus is. Church of Christ, let us be kingdom-minded. Let us be kingdom-focused. Because there is a city. There is a new Jerusalem. But you can't get there with one foot in Christianity and one foot in Judaism. One foot in license and the other in legalism. One hand on the Bible and the other hand around your brother's neck. One eye on the cross and the other eye in my business. One hand trying to live by the scriptures and the other hand typing according to the scriptures. I am leaving the camp and if you're going to look for me, I ain't going to far I'm leaving the camp for the kingdom because one day I hope to meet you in the city let's be standing and not singing let's be standing and not singing 
I'm charged to do the invitation. Lest somebody think that young preachers don't do the invitation anymore. I still do the invitation. I'm still a planned preacher. If perchance you're here this morning and you are a child of God, you've sinned, you've strayed, you've lived beneath your calling, live beneath your purpose, live beneath the way that you know you were raised. Come back to Jesus Christ right now before it's everlastingly too late. If perchance you're not a child of God, this is your time, this is your opportunity to become at one with him because the eternal atonement sacrifice has already been committed. Come by hearing, believe that he is, repent of your sins. Confess that Jesus Christ is the sweetest name that can roll off a mortal's tongue and there's no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved, Acts 4 and 12. Be baptized in water for the mission of your sins, Acts 2.38, and live faithful unto death, Revelation 2 and 10. It must be this way. In order for man to be saved. Whoever you are, whatever you need, understand that time and life is too short. Eternity is too long and hell is too hot. 